0: Mama, I got Botox. OK. That's to make my face grow young instead of grow old. Mm-hmm. Sure, so she, she likes it. look younger now. It's working then. <laughs> oh, no, she's said It's painful, but it's worth it. Yeah. OK. That's OK. <laughs> Okay, so before we get into the full recap, I just wanted to talk about this one article. Shout out to you, Anastasia, for sending me this. Um, So the headline is, West Point Cadet Cancels Plans to Bring Porn Star Date to Winter Banquet. A cadet cancels plans to try to bring porn star Diamond Fox to a military banquet when he learned his plan was against the law. So as we all know, Diamond Fox is none other than the porn star grandmother to Bryson of Robert and Annie. Um, So apparently what happened is the the cadet can't... Um, invited Stephanie, Grandma Stephanie Diamond Fox to, um, his graduation dance. Is that what they do? Yeah. The winter banquet. Sorry. Um, so his plan was to set up a GoFundMe to get her to come. And she agreed to come on the condition that he paid for his flight, her flight and hotel. But you cannot use GoFundMe for that reason. So the GoFundMe got shut down, um, and it says that federal law prohibits members of the military from using their official positions for personal gain. This prohibition extends to using or appearing to use one's military status to solicit gifts of money so that is hilarious um yeah like i said like a few years ago there was like a bunch of people that went uh mila kunis justin timberlake ronda rousey went to the marine corps ball um yeah this was amazing i you know god bless the troops for trying this is a trying time for all of us so you know if we can get it off get on get on with it. <laughs> anyway, get on and get off with it. Anyway, we know how. I, I commend them. And I hope that Stephanie actually does go. I mean, she's got the money. Support the troops, Stephanie. Diamond, come on. Come on. Okay, so let's get on to the show. All right, so we're going to start with Blake and Jasmine, aka Cisco and Instagram filter. Um, There are 28 days left to wed, and Blake is picking up Jasmine at his parents' house to go to a party. It is his friend Everett's party, and we've met Everett because he's one of her friends other than, like, Rita Repulsa and the white guy that have been really vocal about Jasmine not fitting in with the group and how they're so butthurt over her not speaking. Ugh, whatever. So Jasmine asks if they can go to dinner alone and you can see that Blake does not want to do this, but he reluctantly agrees after she says, you know, like he, he says that the dinner is important, like it's more important. So the plan was to go to dinner and drinks and then have like a party at the club after. She doesn't want to go to dinner and he was like, well, dinner is the most important part. She's like, well, we're actually the most important part. So he agrees, but like he's being passive aggressive the whole time. He orders a drink and immediately Jasmine is like, okay, so you know the rules. Like once you start drinking, I don't kiss you. I don't like the taste, you know, like not doing it. She gets really frustrated with the drinking and there's just like a very awkward conversation. And she tells him at one point that he should only have one drink tonight. He's like, I'm absolutely not doing that because it's my friend's birthday. And I was on Blake's aside until this one moment where they're like, really? I mean, I don't want to say they're like fully fighting because there's not, they're not like yelling or anything or causing a scene, but he orders another drink and she says that she doesn't want to go anymore. And he was like, well, I could have just, you know, like, why did you make me go to this dinner? Basically? I could have just done this whole thing by myself. Like you knew I was going to be drinking and she's, like, very hardcore, but, like, you don't need to be drinking. He's, like, but you knew I was going to be, and it's not fair. And if you didn't want to go this whole time, they're, like, you shouldn't have, uh, you know, like, separated me for dinner. <clears throat> so then he calls her stupid. And I think that is really fucking rich for a guy who wears a fake Kooji ski mask on stage and who's a, quote, VP of a label but lives with his brother. But anyway... I, like I said, I was kind of on his side until that moment. Like, he took it too far. However, to his credit, and, and to hers too, I think it's very difficult to have a relationship where you guys don't have the same vices. Like, she is clearly very adamantly against drinking. Like, it's not even just, like, I don't drink, I don't like it. Like, she doesn't like any part of it. She doesn't like the lifestyle. She doesn't like the taste of it. Like she doesn't even really want to be around Blake when he's drinking. And it's very clear that he, this is like a culture he enjoys being in. I don't think that Blake has a problem. And so, you know, there's that, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's gonna become a really big issue because it's very clear that like Blake lives this kind of like nightlife lifestyle and he likes to drink and that is okay and if she doesn't like they have to make a compromise so she just walks out after he calls her stupid I thought very calmly because I would have thrown that frozen slushy Paloma right in his stupid blonde hair and she says you know just give me a cab I'm gonna go to my sister's for the night and you can do your thing And then he keeps telling her, like, oh, you know, you're being so manipulative, blah, blah, blah. She ends up going to her sister's house, and we hear Jasmine talk more than she's ever spoken before. Was it in English? No, because she's talking to her sister. But she really let it all out, and I appreciated it. But secondly, her sister's apartment was very nice, and I'm not understanding Why Jasmine doesn't just stay there? Like, does the girl have, her sister have roommates or something? Because, like, that was a really nice apartment. (laughs) I don't get it. And I, Serizella, like, if I had the option between staying there and staying at, like, my future parents-in-law's house with my dude not even there, no way. I'm sleeping on that couch all day. But anyway, they kind of have, like, a back and forth. Her sister is being pretty reasonable and saying, you know... Blake is an outgoing person. That's a good thing. Like he's not a bad guy. And Jasmine says, you know, like I do enjoy those qualities in him and I feel like they compliment me well. However, he expects me to completely 100% be on board for everything and every activity that he does. Always wants me to be around his friends and he never takes my interest in consideration. And so when I try to like get him to do things that I'm interested in, He always shuts me down, but he expects me to be totally, you know, supportive of everything that he does. And I get that. And her sister basically just says, like, she needs to be a little bit more open-minded. Like, Instead of being, instead of retreating and getting frustrated and, like, refusing to do things, just, like, try to have a more open mind about the things that he enjoys. And, yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty sage advice um that i think was the end of blake and jasmine i agree i i i th- we haven't seen anything. if they're less than a month from the visa we haven't seen any conversation about the wedding in like a real way we haven't seen her try on a dress or anything so i'm wondering like I heard they're still together and that people saw them together recently, but it's weird that we have not really gotten any wedding storyline from them. Um, it's really just been about like the strife between him and his friends. Anyway. Um, so let's go on to the people that we do actually see to having a wedding it is Michael and Juliana we get them in the beginning. It's the day before the wedding, and Michael is in the kitchen with his brother and his friend. They're having bro time, just three guys from Indiana, broing down with silver bottles of wine. I don't know what it was. He's bursting with nerves, and also because he still insists on wearing clothes from 20 pounds ago and he's basically is telling his friends and his brother that if it weren't for you know like we all hear before if it wasn't for the 90-day process if it wasn't if this process wasn't short we would be going about things in a much more normal pace and he's just basically nervous about the wedding and his brother's like oh bro this seems like a really chill wedding like your last wedding was so such a big to-do so be, you're getting married in the backyard. It seems very casual. You guys seem to really like each other. So this seems like a really good vibe comparatively. So my goal starts to feel a little bit better. Then we get a conversation between icons, child icons, Max and Cece, who were like, if I ever accidentally have a child, <laughs> then I hope that it's one, like one of them, because I literally don't know how you parent other than this um but anyway they're lovely Cece says that she's nervous about the wedding not because she doesn't like Juliana but because she understands that like people's perception of Michael and Juliana is kind of you know what you expect and she's basically just nervous about like people being judgmental of them Max says that he's happy about it, and then he announces that he'll be making a speech, which I can't wait to see. It's probably gonna be so cute. Ugh. Um Then we get basically the rest of their scenes are just Juliana. She's getting ready. Um it is now the day of the wedding, so she's getting her hair and makeup done, her dress is on, she looks incredible. But she's feeling Mixed feeling. She's very excited about the wedding and she's very excited to be married to Michael, but none of her family has reached out to her. She has two friends that are there. One that she, I think she both met them through modeling. One lives in Milan and one lives in Brazil, where she's from. And they're the only ones. Everybody else in attendance is somebody who's in Michael's life in one way or the other. So she's just feeling nervous and she's like keeping it together for the most part. Her friend ends up showing her a video that she had compiled of a few of Juliana's friends congratulating her from, you know, whatever country, just telling her like, you're gonna have the best day. I'm sorry, I couldn't be there. And so then Juliana starts to get a little bit emotional because she realizes that, not only has she still not heard from her family that they were not in the video that they didn't even participate. So then we get a cliffhanger of her like really starting to get emotional and actually crying. And I'm sure this is editing, but like we see the end of Michael's at the aisle. Everybody's writing for Julian on it. It seems like while she's crying and it make they make it look like she's making them wait, but we'll see. Um, let's go to, okay. I want to get, I want to keep getting it spicier. Okay. So Michael and Angela, they were middle of the road. Angela and Michael are in the car. Um, Angela's rocking a pink tank top and some pink Nicki Minaj or Kmart sunglasses. It looks like, you know, as Angels want to do her whole chest is out and it looks like there are worms (laughs) growing beneath the skin but i think it's probably just like the scars from whatever laser treatment she's gotten since we all remember fondly her chest used to look like an old orange left out in the sun like an orange peel left in the sun for two weeks so it's good that she is exposing it all of that to the african sun right Good good for you. Good thinking, Angela. Um, so they're headed to the embassy because Angela wants to know, you know, she, she's a taxpaying American, and she deserves to know the answers. So she wants to know what's going on with her visa, why it was denied. She was told that she could go in at any point, that <laughs> so she could walk in at any time, but Michael knows that, like, that's not how it is for Nigerians. So he's not allowed, allowed inside. So he waits inside. She gets back 15 minutes later. And he's like, well, what happened? She's like, Michael, they didn't give me any answers. And so basically she says she, quote, respectfully raised hell, which we all know was a goddamn lie. <laughs> and she said that, like, she had a back and forth with one of the ladies that was working there saying, like, oh, I could be here at any time. She's like... This is not an emergency. You wanting to check on your K-1 visa is not an emergency. You can come here if you're in danger, but to check on a paper is not, like, something that you can just demand to talk to anybody about at any point in the day. (laughs) So they end up giving her an email address um, so she can make an appointment. She makes them promise her that because she's only going to be here, be in Nigeria for the next couple weeks, they promise that they'll be able to talk to her um, before she's able to leave. So then we get Michael inviting her to dinner with his family. And she's excited to go because she loves his mom. Um, and then he also says, like, as they're getting ready, she's like putting her Botox cream on her face. And he, Michael tells her that he wants to get his mom a microwave. This apparently is a conversation that they've been having for a few years And Angela's like, okay, like, we're going to go over there, so I'll do it. But, like, you could have bought this the whole time, so I don't understand why I'm buying it. Michael says that it's customary for the daughter-in-law to bring the mother a gift every time she comes up to the house to show respect. And Angela says that... Uh Uh-oh. Sorry, I don't know if you heard that, but my Skype just went off. (laughs) Anyway, um, so... What did I say? Oh, Angela was saying that she doesn't, she feels uncomfortable with the fact that every time she goes to Michael's mother's house, that the gifts get more and more extravagant and that she is not the price is right. Oh God. The Trump jumped out, you know, it really did. So they go to, uh, like an electronics store. Which is an extremely loose term for the eight by five room with one man standing with a bunch of packed merchandise on the walls and like one little fan hanging from the ceiling. But they go in there, they get the micro. He asks about how much the microwave is. He tells them that it's gonna be 30,000 naira, which Michael says ends up being like $95. Angela says, absolutely not. And so Michael's like, well, let's get something else. <laughs> she's like what are you talking about so he explains that because they're going to be staying with his aunt while they're there that she has to get a present too and that she needs a tea kettle an electric tea kettle so it At this point, Angel's like, why are you tacking on things when I already told you I couldn't buy this thing? So they ended up haggling down. She ends up getting both the kettle and the microwave for 15,000 naira, which ends up being, like, 40 or 50 bucks, right? But, of course, Angela now feels like Michael's conning her. Oh, Lord. Then they arrive, and Michael's aunt invites her to cook, and Angela's like, well, I don't cook. I don't even cook in my own house, but... They make her cook plantains, which is, like, so basic, (laughs) and they tell her that, like, because you're the newest wife in the family, that this is kind of your role to, like, serve the rest of the family as a sign of respect. So they get dinner ready. Everybody's sitting down at the table. (laughs) Angela decides to show everybody the results of her Botox, to which I don't even think that they were ignorant about Botox was what Botox is because they're African. But I think that they're ignorant about what Botox is because they're African <laughs> and they don't need it. You know, <laughs> I don't think that they didn't know what Botox was. I just think that they're like, Oh, this is so far out of the realm of like our reality because every single one of their skin was like butter. Ugh, ugh, God. I mean, it makes me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Their all of her skin was amazing. All of her skin was on Lupita Nyong'o. It was like, ugh, just wonderful. Melanin popping. Anyway, they go on to tell, talk to her about the bring up the K one visa process, and you can see Angela getting more and more agitated. And Michael's brother Rashid basically <laughs> is like, well, okay, so basically let's cut the crap. If you guys get denied again, like. What are what are your expectations? And she's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, I just kind of feel like Michael should find his own family in Nigeria and get that popping, and basically like, bye, <laughs> bye, Angela." And so you can see Angela shutting down. She's getting more and more angry, but fortunately, she's like being quiet about it. And she's like, "Well, Michael, what do you think?" And he says nothing. And so that was the cliffhanger that we are left with, with Angela and Michael crazy. Okay, so Emily and Sasha, um, they're in Portland. So Emily is from Portland, Oregon. However, she had been staying, they had been staying with Betsy, who lives in Indiana. So they go over to Portland for like a quick visit. This is the first time I've ever seen... Sasha, happy. They're walking around in this beautiful garden, and she keeps talking about how much she loves Portland and how she wants to raise kids here. And Sasha's like, "Yeah, this is beautiful. Like, I've never been any. I've never like been to anywhere like this. It's like, this is exactly the kind of place that I would like to live." So they're actually having a nice conversation. I'm still not really getting what they have in common and like, I'm not sensing a lot of love there, but at least they can agree that Portland's nice and that's nice for them. He's not fat shaming her this time. Um, so Emily breaks it down and is basically like the money's running out. I really am worried about our financial stability and I think that we should get married as soon as possible. She says ASAP. And he was like, okay. (laughs) She's like, why are you being so blase about it? And then she realizes that he doesn't know what ASAP means. (laughs) And she's like, well, that means as soon as possible. He's like, okay, well, you've never taught me that. I don't know what that means. (laughs) He's like, fine. Like he's, I mean, he still wasn't like more excited about it. He was like, yeah, like I'm totally down to get married. He's like, I want to work. Um, So yeah, they're all agreed on that. Then we are back in Indiana and Emily and Betsy go dress shopping at the Kleinfeld of whatever small town in Indiana that Betsy lives in. It's called Greta's formal wear. Um, they're going to try on dresses. Emily is, I, I don't know much about. It. So the first dress that Emily tries on is like, you know, the dress that was very trendy in like from like 2015 to 2017 that like figure skater nude with the cutouts the bling the this and that like it was backless and it was very form-fitting it's not really doing it for me and Betsy says well I think we're looking for something she keeps saying this I think we're looking for something more casual um that this isn't like a big wedding because we're under such a big deadline that like maybe she just needs something that's less formal so um they get in a little tiff about that so she tries on the first dress they don't like it betsy says once again like let's go for something more casual so emily goes to try on something even more formal than the one she tried on before so they're they're getting a little tiff emily and betsy both have these baby voices so even though they're arguing with each other it's like it's really more like more like this we're arguing like this. Like, they argue like duggers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Greta is, Greta of Greta Greta's formal wear is hiding behind the room curtains. She's so shocked. I am shocked that this wedding dress is like, the wedding shop is like, usually, I feel like when you go to like a formal wear shop, like everything's pretty clean. The, walls are white everything's white so it's not like a busy distraction this Greta's formal wear is like Daughters of the American Revolution but on mushrooms the walls are plaid the floors are like this yellow-ish with like checks in it and the curtains like the curtains to you know like cover yourself from when you're in the um fitting room are like these like purple paisley it is the wildest dressing room i've ever seen like even a hot topic is not that busy anyway so they start getting in a tiff about the wedding and she uh, betsy goes well this is the right dress i just hope it's the right guy so then greta comes out from under the uh, shadows and she, what do they call it? They call it jacking you up when you put the, like, the headpiece on and, like, all the accoutrements, like, so you can really get a look for what the wedding dress is going to look like on the day. And Greta gives (laughs) Emily, and and picture this, Emily is a very fair-skinned woman. She's already made the horrible decision to dye her blonde hair like an ice white blonde and now she's got this nude dress on so she already looks like some nerds like fantasy woman like she should she looks like she should be on a unicorn like very Game of Thrones <clears throat> I don't know I never watched Game of Thrones she looks like a blonde lady I don't, she looks like the blonde woman from Game of Thrones but like from Indiana <laughs> um, so then she puts Greta puts on this, like, headband that's, like, made of pearls, so it's already, like, in her white blonde hair, she's, like, these pearls, and then she puts on the veil on top of that, and Betsy starts to cry, (laughs) because it looked good question mark <laughs> i don't know i really hope that this is not the dress that emily ends up choosing it oh, yeah, 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 yeah. but anyway they end up making up and that was really the, I, oh god i hope she does not choose that dress ready to pop the question? Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Next couple is Robert and Annie. Robin is still in town. Robin is Robert's sister. They are all in the car about to go to dinner to meet with Robert's brother, who happens to also live in Florida. His name is Kenny, and he is, I think, their older half brother. So keep in mind that he is older. Keep in mind that Robert is 41, and which makes Kenny older than 41. Just something to keep in mind for the rest of the segment. So we meet Robert. He's sitting at the table. He's got the Gucci sunglasses—not sunglasses, Gucci glasses on—and he's got a T-shirt that says, "Wanna impress me? Question mark. Be the same MF you was when I first started FWU, meaning fucking with you." A man older than 41 would wear a t-shirt like that in public oh he's so fucking weird okay so he tells us that he's protective of Robert because Robert's got a bad history with women and by that of course you mean that he, he never means that Robert did anything wrong he means that all of these women were like trifling hoes and that like Robert was just a victim of them of course and robin robin is trying to be supportive of annie because they're friends and she's saying like i love annie she's really trying to hype kenny up for with annie and annie is really trying to hard to be friendly like she's being really nice open she said that she's really excited to meet kenny she asks kenny if he's gonna come to the wedding and he was like well i just met you (laughs) like well that that doesn't answer the question, but it really seems like Robert did not let anybody know that he was getting married. Because remember, like the his um, Bryson's um, grandparents had no idea who Annie was, and then they were like, oh, "We didn't even know who she was," and now she's here in America, and you're about to get married. So, of course, this puts Annie in a bad light and not Robert. I don't know why this happens. But the Americans get to keep the secrets. And this happened with, um oh, my gosh, the family Chantel. The Americans keep the secrets from the start. But somehow the foreigners, if you want to call them that, end up being the ones who are, like, shifty and shady and, like, only here for money. It's so crazy. Um, so, anyway. So, then they have, they keep going, Robert and Annie Rob gosh too many names Kenny and Annie keep going back and forth and then she goes <laughs> for no reason at all Annie asks if Kenny is as cheap as Robert is <laughs> of course it says Robert off and it's it's Kenny off and they do these same reactions they are like no 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 and Robert's like when you say cheap he's like I'm not cheap cheap as if I had a lot and I wasn't giving you anything he's like but I give you all that I can and blah blah blah. and so Annie tells uh Kenny about the thrift store situation and the more I hear about it the more I'm like I am on her side like I've always been on her side but I think people were not really getting the whole thing It's so, like Annie was like he told me it wasn't just like you know he told me he was gonna go shopping take me shopping when i got here and blah 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 but he specifically told her to leave her old clothes in the dominican to sell to get like her family members to sell and that he would buy her all new clothes so imagine getting you know <laughs> giving up your clothes to buy somebody else's clothes like i would be actually be really upset about that like it, it's beyond just saying like oh, it's a thrift store and, like, she's just bougie or whatever. Like, he makes it seem like she's being unreasonable and that she's bougie. And he even says, Rome wasn't built in a day. Like, okay, well, you should have told me to bring another week's worth of of clothes or however many days that Rome is going to take to be built. You should have let me know how many packs of underwear I should have brought. (laughs) He's so stupid. And he only brought Kenny because he knew that his brother was more of a fuckboy than him and that he would support every dumb thing that came out of his mouth and that he was going to completely side with Robert about all of this. And then Annie says, uh, that Robert lies a lot. And he brings up the fact to Kenny and Robin that he did not tell her about the fact that he had two additional children. Like he initially told her that he only had three kids and that he dropped the bomb on him actually having five kids. Um, A month before she was about to move to America. She's like, that wasn't fair. She's like, I probably would not have continued being in a relationship with somebody if I had known that they had had five kids. She's like, you know, I fell for him. But like, if I had not known that, or if I had known that off the bat, it it probably wouldn't have gotten this far. And then, (laughs) of course, of course, Kenny goes, well, I've got seven kids. Oh, boy. So between the two of y'all, y'all got 12 kids. Robert's got three baby mamas. So how many baby mamas do you have? I mean, that's at least four moms and 12 kids between you. So I don't really know. Oh, my God. Kenny was a real piece of work. And then he goes on to say he is so defensive over the fact that, like, he's got all these kids when he didn't need to be. He needed to be focusing on the fact that, like, Robert was denying the fact that he had children to begin with and then didn't even drop the bomb on that until a month later when he had already had her hooked in. That's the issue. <laughs> um, then he goes, Well, for all we know, you could have been a streetwalker. What? And he's like, Well, what do you know? I don't know anything about your past and what you were doing. And, and Robert kind of like co signed that too. That was so crazy and so disrespectful. Annie walks out, and I felt for her so much. She's like, I, people. She's like, I come, I came to this country. I'm all alone. I was really excited to be part of this family, and then everybody you meet is judgmental of you and thinks that you have these ulterior motives and that these negative attention or negative intentions, and that, um, you know, you're only out for bad things she's like and then i'm only in this relationship for money and she's like that makes me really sad she's like i love robert but i feel like he doesn't respect me and that he doesn't feel the same way about me and he also feels that i'm only here for money and that made me really really empathize with her i've it actually was really sad like you could tell she was genuinely upset anyway let's go back to oh my gosh um I'm going to end with... I usually like to end with Tanya and Sinjin, but they were actually not the most interesting couple this year, or this episode. Um, next. Okay, so they're still, like, hot off the presses of a fight. And the fight that they had in the car, where she said that she was on his edge, and he said, well, jump off the cliff, Me might be saving me from it. Bravo. <laughs> so... Um, tells us that he's over the fight. He said, he's not going to forget it, but he said that he doesn't like to walk around with hate in his heart because it only, it doesn't serve him. He said, the only person that is, you know, he said, nobody benefits from that. And the only person that it, you know, like is a detriment to is me. And I just love him. He's such a beautiful boy. Tanya says that she wants a fresh start. So she hires an astrologist named Daisy October D A I Z Y October oh, Lord um this is why people don't believe in astrology cuz you guys do dumb shit like this anyway <laughs> um so Daisy is they they do like a sky call with her and she checks their birth charts for their compatibility and she says that they have a tendency to what she calls fight and fuck which is that sex is a very important part and the physicality is a very important part of their relationship and that they also have like these moments of intensity and that they need to you know like be more cognizant of that so then (laughs) yikes um then daisy asks if the she asks both of them if they feel like this is a soulmate relationship And Sinjin says yes. And he always felt like they had met in a different lifetime. that They were, like, meant to cross paths with each other. And Tanya's, like, pussy-popping and backpedaling. And basically just, like, well, yeah, like, I kind of feel like, yeah, like, we met each other in a past life, too. But, like, um, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. And she's, like, we'll just say it. And then she goes, well, you know, like, I, I do feel like, we did meet in another life. And like, maybe you were like my brother or my father. I don't know. She's like, but I I do feel like you're meant to be the father of my kids. She's like, I just don't know if this is a soulmate relationship. And then he's like, we'll just say what it is. And then she says that she felt like her first love was her true soulmate. But she said, Oh, you know, like I was, I just felt like, I was fine with letting him go because you know, maybe we would meet in another lifetime and in a, or in a different situation. And she's like, well, I feel like you're my soulmate for now. She's like, but I don't know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> and poor little Sinjin, they're like having this conversation. It's like half of the conversation is with Daisy on the Skype call. And half of the conversation that they're having is like, with the talking head with the producers so poor cingeon you can see his ugh, heart breaking and you could see him getting more and more upset but like trying to be calm about it his hair had never looked more beautiful the highlights were popping and he honestly <laughs> he never looked hotter <laughs> than he, he was getting his heart broken by a woman um and then he's like looks at the camera and says I, I think I want to end this. And he starts to he's like, no, like, for real. Like, you, you can tell he's really mad. So he goes into the shed and he's like, I just need a minute. And he starts, like, to look at his phone. And so Tanya walks out and, like, walks around for a while. And, by the way, she found another hideous bright pink shirt to wear. So congratulations on that. And then she tries to op- – she opens the door and – you see Sinjin's in the back, like, looking at his phone. And she's like, can I come inside? Can we talk? He's like, no. She's like, you need a minute? She's like, he's like, yeah. <laughs> and for the first time, we actually see Tanya look embarrassed and feeling like she might actually be held accountable for her actions. It's the first time that she's not, like, lashing out and talking about how much better she is than everybody. And, like, oh, I loved it. I love to see the embarrassment on that face of hers ugh she, <laughs> she's a loathsome horrible woman I she drives me crazy I was so glad you you stick it to her Sinjin you stick it to her real good we'll get, get you free hashtag, hashtag save Sinjin is alive and well Whew, I'm heated oh my god safe to say that the highlight of this episode was Natalie and Mike I keep going back and forth on whether or not, like, which one is the, to blame. I think, honestly, y'all, I think Mike does things behind the scenes and it makes Natalie do weird things. However, Natalie has proven herself to be a strange little thing on her own. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. So, they're still, like, post-fight. Uh, last episode, he was leaving that day. So, now he's, like, really leaving. Natalie's and Mike are in the kitchen, and she asks him again to apologize. And she says that since he won't, she's not going to go with him to the airport. He's stone-faced. He walks out of the apartment. He then goes to the car. She's standing in the kitchen like catatonic with her jacket on and her eyes closed again and he's just like sitting in the car so clearly it seemed like they knew that eventually she was going to be going because like he's literally just sitting there he's not saying anything not really being interviewed he's and she's just standing there and she walks out very casually like with no urgency whatsoever like clearly if you're gonna get to the car to the airport like usually don't just sit in the street for several minutes at a time. But so she goes out there, sentimental music starts to play and she gets in the car with him. Mike puts his hand over his eyes and like tries to force out a tear. And Natalie tries to like comfort slash pet him, rub him. And her idea of comforting is a little something like this. She first starts to tell him that she. I, maybe I should have found an older man, like a younger man always act like this. <laughs> and then she goes, well, don't worry. A lot of people love you. Your mom loves you. Your dad loves you. <laughs> Not me, but plenty of other people do. You're a beautiful man. You're so handsome. Then when they get uh, to the airport, <clears throat> they're standing outside the car and she goes in my perfect world you should apologize and take me in your hands and then after i'll say okay it's my fault (laughs) this bitch is wild oh man then okay so in the beginning of the season when she gets to or when he gets to ukraine he she got like on his luggage and he pulled her like a child that she is. And she's like, oh, remember when you pulled me? Like, can we do that again? And he's like, no. <laughs> she starts to look at him and she says, what can I do? And he says, what you're saying right now isn't going to change anything. And he's like, do you need a cab? <laughs> so um, he honestly looks so haggard and annoyed, but she decides to go into the airport with him. And he says he's got a lot of emotions. He tells her that he's... Call her later. And then they cut to, like, her doing a talking head interview in the airport. But you can see in the background that he's, like, at, like, a kiosk or something. Like, you know, one of those places where you get, like, pamphlets or whatever. Travel pamphlets. And he's just staring at her. Like, so he is in no rush to, like, get on this plane. So eventually she keeps saying, like... You know, she's like, I'm on his side. You know, everything will be okay. She goes over to him and like, tries to comfort him again. And he said, well, the problem is your attitude. He said that you act like a kid and you don't take things seriously. Now, bear in mind, when he came to Ukraine, he bought her and brought her a white stuffed unicorn. So, like, who's, you know, pick a, pick a side dummy. Pick a wall boots. <laughs> then he goes... After he goes on to tell her, like, how immature and stupid she is, he's like, walk me to the gate, and she's, like, not feeling it, so he walks off, and he leaves, and then she ends up leaving, <laughs> it was so funny, if you guys haven't watched it, watch this back, as she's walking off, you can see somebody, like, they're focused on her, but you can see somebody, like, in the foreground but blurry and it's clearly somebody in production because you see that she's got like a, a thing on her hip she's talking to a mic like in her um in her lapel and <laughs> you see her look at the camera and she like skirts off <laughs> it was so funny uh i i hope everybody saw that um so okay so after that mike is back in squam And this is like he's landed and he hits the scotch pretty heavy he's still got that ugly jacket on um and then we see him put the ring on his shelf and he says things at this point are still very uncertain he was maybe going to call her in a few days but everything is up in the air the next day we get mike it's the next morning he hollers out to the barn for Bojangles like he's a dog and whistles and he says every Sunday that they make uh, pancakes and <laughs> Bojangles is in his Sunday vest he's got on jeans a black vest black leather vest a black t-shirt with wolves on it an American flag rolled up and in a bandana like he's really coming out here looking like a bad bitch and he's giving us Lieutenant Dan realness. And I was looking at, honestly, like, Bojangles has nice skin for an alcoholic who lives in a barn. You know? <laughs> Bo tries to, like, stir up the conversation. You know, naturally, he asks her, asks Bo, no, asks Mike how things went. And Mike doesn't really want to talk about it. But Bo's like, well, did you give her a good back kiss? <laughs> He was like no, and he asked about the visa, like when she's coming. He's like, I don't think she's coming, but like he was really like, I really don't want to talk about this, and that's really the end. Like Beau was just like, well, you know, I've been there a time or two, and you'll figure it out, and everything will be okay. Um, so that was the end of mm-hmm. Mike and Natalie, and that is the end of the episode. I hope I didn't skip anybody because I'm certainly not going to go back and double check. So sorry. Um, next week, I hope we get more of. Oh no, we did see a preview for. Anna and Marcel, she's, um, stopping the kids, just having lunch or whatever with the kids and trying to tell them what happened. And yeah, I guess we didn't see the boys when they were having all the strife. So maybe they were like with their dad at this point, but yeah, we see her stopping to have a conversation with them, uh, more with Emily and Sasha. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. You guys. Uh, so yeah, Thank you guys for sticking with me. Two episodes this week. I will see you guys next week. My throat is hurting. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank me for speaking. I love you guys. If you have not left a five star review, please. I'm not begging you, but I am asking you kindly and humbly. This is the first time I'll be humble. <laughs> if you haven't left a five star review, please do. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. All right, y'all. See ya.